When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast, the show that explores the background of Tolkien's amazing world from the very beginning. There is a lot to love about what Tolkien does as a writer, as an author, ways that he creates things differently than other authors and the world that he creates, especially when you think about how the creation of Middle Earth, the creation of everything that he's done started a century ago. He was paving the way and yet sure there were other authors creating fictional worlds, but just not in the same way that Tolkien did. But that's not one of my favorite things. I mean, it's it's a great thing. But if I was to say one of my favorite things, and it would be the way that he has the ability to transpose absolute terribleness. And I'm smiling as I say this because it's, I mean, it's dark. The, the kinds of things that happen in these stories, that the darkness the hopelessness, the despair, with moments of light. And I've talked about this before on the show, the way that Tolkien uses the backdrop of these dark, massive enemies, these characters like Morgoth, Melkor, or Sauron, and the impending doom that they bring And how he's able to cut through that darkness with these points of light that are so bright that they can puncture through that darkness. And they make, even though they're small, a very critical change, a very critical cut in that darkness. And I think that punctuates the the power of light over darkness, of hope against despair of the kinds of real world things we deal with. And to be frank, guys, the real world can be very dark. There are a lot of terrible things that happen. There are a lot of terrible things that people do to each other. And yet in the midst of all that terribleness, isn't it human nature to puncture that darkness with kindness and love and compassion? And that at least hopefully those things are more powerful than the doom and the despair around us. I know this was a a kind of a dark way to start this episode, but this episode today is a great example of that. We're going to see strife among brethren again. We're going to see the kind of despair that 
Melkor is able to bring to this world, the, the literal darkness that he will be creating in order to fight against the sun itself. And yet, by the end of this episode, we're also going to have a point of light. And that point of light will pierce that darkness. I'm walking today through a wooded landscape, as you can hear around me, because today's story is set with the people of Fingolfin, the people who were left over on the other continent, who weren't able to get on the ships, who had to march through the grinding ice. And we are told in chapter 13, that's how far we are, guys. We're already up to chapter 13 of the Silmarillion. That in chapter 13, they make their way through the grinding ice. And as they make their way into Beleriand in, in the north, as they're coming into Mithrim, the, the area where Fanor's sons have now settled, the moon rises. And then seven days later, the sun. And it's said that as they marched into Beleriand, flowers sprung up around Fingolfin's feet. And you know how authors are. There are not words, especially with Tolkien, that are included for no reason. It's not as if Fingolfin himself was summoning the flowers, although there may have been some magic about him. He was from Valinor. But the sun, as we know, was helping the plants grow. The plants were reacting to the sun. And flowers, which were dormant in the design of a lot of the plants until the sun showed up, sprung to life as they marched into the continent. And that's a sign of hope. There's a reason why this is written the way it is. And yet, there's a lot of darkness ahead of them. So come with me today, friends. We're going into Beleriand with the host of Fingolfin in order to visit some old cousins who betrayed us. And maybe we'll find out what happened to Madros. So we have to do a little bit of setup before we get into all of the details here. We have to go back to the time when Fanor and his group burned the ships. And this was a considerable amount of time before we get Fingolfin and his group actually making it to Beleriand because they were on the other coast still. They could see the smoke from the ships burning. They knew at that moment that they were being left behind that Feanor had gone off without them, was not going to take the time to send the ships back and forth in order to bring the rest of the host over. So that's the moment of betrayal. And very unironically, Melkor also noticed the smoke rising from the coast and was able to determine what was going on. And the very act that gave Fingolfin's people despair created hope for Melkor because he knew that there was strife between the people of the Noldor. He also knew that Feanor was getting close and so was able to 
prepare for that as well. Now, it took a considerable amount of time for Fingolfin's people to make it across the grinding ice, as we've talked about before. And by the time they get to Beleriand, Feanor has been killed. The sons of Feanor have taken up a defensive position in Mithrum. They've built a basically a, a little town uh, with like a fortress surrounding it with some walls and, and keeps and things. And they've set up defenses against Melkor because they realize that they can't assault Angband. And they've seen Angband from a distance. Angband is terribly intimidating. And for all the strength and power of the children of Feanor, they knew that they could not assault it. So you're probably wondering, okay, the the group from Fingolfin's people are coming over and they're going to catch back up with Feanor's kids, (laughs) the sons of Feanor and and that group. They've probably got some... uh, some uh, friction there, right? Like they're, they're probably not going to get along. And you're absolutely right about that. They realize the dire straits they're in. Both groups know they don't have the strength to take on Melkor on their own. They're going to need help. And Fingolfin's group is the larger of the two groups. They're the bigger host. They didn't suffer casualties from fighting directly against Melkor and his forces yet. And on top of that, they always were the larger of the two hosts. So they make their way into Mithrum. They find out what had transpired. They meet with the other elves and they decide to settle in the northern part of the area, which actually is uncomfortable enough for Fanor's sons and that group. Then that group moves south and the two groups are close together they're, they're actually on the opposite sides of a lake <laughs> from each other, but they will not settle together yet. There is still tension between those two groups. And during the time that all of this is happening, there's something else that has occurred. You have to remember, the sun has come up, and that brought with it many good things. And Melkor hates the sun. He hates the light. He knows that his orcs cannot march to war under the bright light in the sky. The orcs, if you recall from one of the previous episodes, were out in the wilderness. They were out roaming around. In the darkness, they could go wherever they wanted. They could make the land in the north very dangerous for any of the elves that lived in the area. And with the sun out, they retreated to the deep underground underneath Angband to get as far away from the sun as they could. And they were not coming out. And Melkor needed to do something about this. And this is the first instance we get of an example of something that happens here in the first age that will be echoed again later on. Melkor comes up with a solution for this. And he starts manufacturing poisonous smoke. And the quote here says, In the pits of Angband he caused vast smokes and vapors to be made, and they came forth from the reeking tops of the Iron Mountains. And afar off they could be seen in Mithrim, staining the bright airs in the first mornings of the world. A wind came out of the east and bore them over Hithlam, darkening the new sun, and they fell and coiled about the fields and hollows and lay upon the waters of Mithrim, drear and poisonous. 
And yeah, if you, if you've seen the Lord of the Rings or you read the books, you know what this is like. Sauron uses this exact same tactic in order to march orcs out of Mordor, in order to cover the skies. So in the moment that this happens in the Third Age and Gandalf looks up from Minas Tirith and sees the skies darkening in the distance, he knows what this is. He has seen this before. And that's a really cool image to me is that obviously Gandalf wasn't here at this event, but he would have heard stories of this. And we'll talk about how that would would be possible. But can you imagine getting flashbacks of in the third age of the first age? It's also a parallel. It shows that Sauron can do the things that Melkor can do. And Sauron has that kind of control over his forces. I also think about how oppressive this is as a tactic. I mean, it's kind of like the first biological warfare (laughs) in the world of Tolkien's stuff, which totally makes sense because he served in World War I. He lived through World War II. He would have known what that was. And when he describes these smokes, they're not just dark. He's not just filling the sky with clouds that sit at a high altitude and are thick and dark and block out the sun. These smokes are poisonous, poisonous vapors, and they will dip down to the ground and sit over the lake. Can you imagine watching the the sunrise and the sun rising for a considerable amount of time over the lake of Mithram and the creatures responding to it, the flowers, the plants growing, nature coming out from the darkness only to be stamped down by these poisonous vapors and to start dying off in front of you. And as the elves, they have very little they can do about this. It's not like they can summon winds to blow all of these vapors away. I'm sure that they have some abilities in their connections with nature and and through their magics, like we've talked about before, to try to stave this off. But ultimately, this is a big problem. And it's more than they can handle on their own. Now, there's one more thing I want to go over before we get to the mid-break, because we haven't discussed Fingolfin too much. As we know, Fingolfin and Feanor are very different people. They are very different in their mindset. They're very different in their personalities. Fingolfin is much more careful. When his forces come over into Beleriand, they actually march toward Angband. And when they see it from a distance... That's when they back up and they go back to the other elves because they realize that there's no assaulting those walls. They're too big. They're too protected. They're too strong. Their host is not large enough. And they know that they can't siege it because Melkor has all of the infrastructure that he needs underground. And at this point in the story, we also learn about Fingolfin's son, Fingen. And this is one of those connections that should be pretty easy to remember. All of Feanor's sons don't have names that start with F. Fingolfin, on the other hand, his son is Fingen. And Fingen is a very valiant character. He's somebody who wants to do something about all of the terribleness that 
is happening here. He hates that there is a feud between the children of Feanor and Fingolfin's people. He's friends with many of them. In fact, he was close friends with Madros, and Madros is gone. Madros has been taken by Melkor. And remember, he was strung up on the on the cliffside of Angband and is daily being tortured by simply the the environment that he's hanging there in from one of his wrists. And Fingen decides that he's going to do something about this. First, he's going to find Madros because they don't know where he is. And secondly, maybe that will help heal some of the uh, disconnect, some of the friction between these two groups. So stay tuned. We're going to get into that after the break. So let me tell you a little story. You know that we get sponsors on these podcasts and Yuffie, who does these smart locks with video cameras in them, reached out and they sent me a smart door lock with a 2K camera, a doorbell and a finger reader, all the bells and whistles. And I was like, okay, cool. They sent it to me. I already have one on my back door. When I opened this up and installed it, I was like, why didn't I go with Yuffie to begin with? Because this is a step above the one that I've been using. The finger reader just works. The 2K camera is so clear. I can see when somebody's at the front door, if it's Amazon or if it's somebody trying to sell me something. It even has night vision and works in the dark. It makes me feel so much safer. Plus, my son can just put his finger on the door and just come right in when he gets home from school. He doesn't have to worry about losing keys and you don't even have to change the batteries in these because it's got like a 10,000 milliwatt hour battery that lasts for like four months. Go check these out today. Search for Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Again, search Eufy Video Lock. I think you'll love it. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place 
to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, here we are in the middle of the show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in again. I'm so glad you guys are along for this ride with me. Again, I'm Tom or Robots. I don't always say that at the beginning of the show because I want to get right into the details. But thank you for tuning in. Also, big thanks to our newest patrons. You guys are, man, you guys are coming in here very, (laughs) very quickly. We have three more this week. Duncan C., Jeffrey S., and Jeremy J. Thank you so much to all three of you for supporting the show. You guys, you guys, I, I had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea when I started this, that I would get the responses that I'm getting and you guys are amazing. So this means that we're up to 21 active patrons. Thank you so very, very much. I've also updated the, um, the Patreon because when I set up the tiers, I have the first tier, which is ad free episodes. And the second tier is where you can get not only ad free, ad free episodes a, a day early. The second tier is where you can get the bonus episodes as well on the same day. They drop on the same day on Sundays. And the third tier is like the bonus higher tier. If you just wanted to pitch in a little bit extra, but you know what? I've decided I'm going to call out everybody who signs up on that third tier because to to my surprise, people signed up even though there wasn't an extra bonus thing you got. So I get to call out our tier three, patrons this week and i will be doing so in the future as well so tier three vip patrons larry tristan p and tyler b thank you so very much for your support get ready i'm going to say your names a lot on future episodes because i want to at least add something else to that to that tier and then we'll see we'll see where things go with all of that so Thank you to everybody. Also, we've got some reviews that showed up. Actually, we have a review from Apple Podcasts, and then we have a review that one of our patrons left on Patreon. So uh, this one from Apple Podcasts says, amazing. Robots does such an amazing job on the Lord of the Rings lore cast, just like all his other podcasts. Well, thanks. I'm glad you're a fan of the other stuff, too. It uh, It is always amazing to see another podcast on the Lord of the Rings, and I think he really has talent and is great at retelling the Silmarillion. Well, thank you very much, Ants Are Life winky smiley face from the united states i really appreciate you guys taking the time to leave ratings and reviews on apple Podcasts and spotify it is like the main way that people find shows so thank you so much for doing that and also i have to read this one out this comes from duncan c one of our new patrons who uh wrote the review on patreon which heck you can do that as well duncan wrote I would leave a review on Apple Podcasts, but I use Spotify instead. And uh, man, I wish they could, they'd add that to it, but they haven't yet. I found this podcast while on a lunch break at work and continued to listen to it the rest of the day last week. Never had a work day go by faster. I was so immersed in listening to explain the lore and the story in a way 
that is so easy to understand and seriously keeps you entertained. Love the bonus content as well. Absolutely worth supporting the show for it. Exclamation mark. Well, thanks. I'm so glad you you love that. The breakdown of the material and the way you almost make it personal for me as a listener when you wouldn't know from anyone else or who you wouldn't know from anyone else on the street is amazing. I grew up with watching the movies with my brother as well as reading the books. And now we play a ton of Lord of the Rings games, both on mobile console and board game. And it's great being able to learn about the lore and stories and characters that are referenced on your show and in these games definitely going to be picking up a copy of the silmarillion soon as well yeah definitely go read it i also have a question you talk briefly about the origins of the elves men dwarves balrogs orcs and the magic that is involved in each was wondering how the skin changers such as bjorn and other creatures came to be that's a really good question we're gonna have to cover that on a future episode and um i think i might address some of that in our bonus episode today i haven't a hundred percent decided what i'm going to do with that um we also got a comment on patreon from t-rex um t-rex has supported some of my other shows as well um t-rex wrote this was such a fantastic bonus episode talking about aragorn's amazing ancestors where i laid out like who all of his ancestors are and how many pairings of men and elves it, it was a really deep kind of episode that's why i do those for the bonus ones because they don't get in the way of the storytelling but um i'm glad you enjoyed that uh i absolutely love that you went through the timeline and how everyone is kind of interconnected i know there were like six or so pairings of elf and men but it is is it correct that baron and tour were the only two full mannish races that married into the elf bloodline um I think I'll address that on the bonus episode as well this week. So I think this will be another one of those answering the questions from the community. So if you're into that sort of thing, you want to know more about some of this like deeper nitty gritty stuff, those are, that's where you can go. The bonus episodes are over there. If you're happy just listening to the story as it unfolds and all the main content, then that's what you get for free. So thanks again for everybody and all of your support. All right. We've got the rest of the story to tell about Fingen and what he's going to do about Majros. So stay tuned. Have you ever had one of those friendships where you've been such good friends for such a long time and then something happens and it's not exactly your friend's fault. It's not exactly your fault. It's just circumstantial. And there's just a little bit of friction there. I feel like this is the kind of situation Fingen and Madros were in. Madros was, of course, following his father, Feanor, to the ends of the earth to get the Silmarillions back and doing everything that his father said they needed to do. And Fingen happened to be on the other end of that with Fingolfin over on the other side. The ships get burned. He can't make it across. There's some friction there, but it's not like Madros made the call. And Fingen loves Madros. And I'm going to use words like love in this show because words like love don't get used correctly enough in our culture. We think of romantic love every time we say love. And love has many meanings. And Tolkien was 100% aware of that. Brotherly love is a huge theme in his works. Look at Sam and Frodo, the the connection that you have there, the love for a comrade in arms, the love for somebody who you have known your entire life and, and heck, fought through your lives with against the difficulties of just living. <laughs> like, that is a real thing. 
And I think that this is one of the first pairings we see of something like that, Fingen and Maedros. And so Fingen decides he's going to do something about this. He's going to go find Maedros. And of course, I can't do this as much justice as Tolkien's own words. So here's the, uh, the passage directly from the book. Fingen had been close in friendship with Maedros, and though he knew not yet that Maedros had not forgotten him at the burning of the ships, the thought of their ancient friendship stung his heart. And I think this is an example of what I'm saying. They both care for each other still. Maedros hasn't forgotten him, even though the events that occurred. Fingen hasn't forgotten Maedros. They both long for that friendship to be patched up. And of course, Maedros is in a very terrible situation where uh, that's probably not on top of his mind. But had he be, you know, been not hanging on the side of a cliff, probably would have been something that he would seek out. So it goes on. Therefore, he dared a deed which is justly renowned among the feats of the princes of the Noldor. Alone and without the counsel of any he set forth in search of Maedros, and aided by the very darkness that Melkor had made, he came unseen into the fastness of his foes. High upon the shoulders of Thangorodrim he climbed, and looked in despair upon the desolation of the land. But no passage or crevice could he find through which he might come within Morgoth's stronghold. So he makes it to the fortress, he climbs up among the walls of the fortress in the darkness that Melkor had created uses it against him basically in order to stay hidden from any of the soldiers, any of the guards that may have seen him. And he despairs about just the the terribleness, the, the, the deadness of the land around the fortress and all the terribleness that Melkor had created because nobody's gotten this close, save Maedros to the, to the fortress and it's just terrible. <laughs> like, like he's he's realizing just, I don't know, how much crap they're in, I guess. Um, but even in doing this, he couldn't find a way into the stronghold. He was, of course, assuming that if Maedros was still alive, he would be in the dungeons probably, right? But he couldn't find a way in. And it goes on. Then in defiance of the orcs who cowered still in the dark vaults beneath the earth. So most of the orcs are now deep underground still, even though there's some darkness out there, they're still scared. Any, any of the forces along the walls are not orcs. <laughs> they're too scared. So there, it's very limited amount of defenses around the fort, but yet he still takes the risk of this. He took his harp, which of course he brought with him, right? And I'm going to do an entire episode on music and how that is how, in many instances, the elves wage war, <laughs> that it's actually a device they use in combat, which is crazy to think about. There's a there's a big event that's going to occur in probably a few episodes, and I'll go into that a little bit more. So he takes up his harp and sang a song of Valinor that the Noldor made of old before strife was born among the sons of Finway. And this section is important. This idea that this song comes from a time and a place of purity, that this song is older than the strife, that this song goes back to the good days, the time where there was friendship. And 
that makes it a song of friendship, a thing that somebody else listening to it would know. They'd know that this was something from that time. So he starts singing this old song, playing it on his harp, and his voice rang, this is another quote, his voice rang in the mournful hollows that had never heard before ought save cries of fear and woe. So this is the sonic equivalent of a flashlight in a dark room. The only sounds that this land knew was terror, was horror, was torture. And all of a sudden, he's bringing a light into this darkness. It goes on. Thus Fingen found what he sought, for suddenly above him, far and faint, his song was taken up. That means that Maedra started singing along with him, hanging there from a wrist, tortured, on the edge of survival. He hears this. Can you just imagine being Maedros in the situation and hearing far below you a song you never thought you'd hear before in this terrible land, in this terrible situation, and your response is to simply sing along because that's all you can do. And a voice answering called to him. Madros it was that sang amid his torment. But Fingen climbed to the foot of the precipice where his kinsmen hung and then could go no further. And he wept when he saw the cruel device of Morgoth. And again, let's, let's put ourselves back in Fingen uh, in his perspective. Can you imagine looking up and seeing your friend up there? All the terribleness that has been wrought knowing that he's still alive, but all of the, all of the torture that he's gone through. And the story continues here with one of the events that is, or I guess the second event that is echoed in the other stories. We have the, the smoke, the vapors, but we also have a response from Manway. And in this moment, Fingen says a prayer. He prays and says, says aloud, O king to whom all birds are dear. He's praying to Manway. Speed now this feathered shaft and recall some pity for the Noldor in their need. His prayer isn't to be saved. His prayer is simply to make sure that his arrow lands and kills Madros in order to put him out of his misery because he knows he can't get up to the place and then free him. And this is what Madros asks for. He asks for release from life because he's done. And Fingen knows that the Valar are not going to help him. And he knows that they're not just going to speed in here and save them all. And so the one thing he can think to pray for is that the winds from Manway will help guide his arrow. That's it. And in a moment of genuine grace and mercy, which if you're, if you come from a religious background, those words get used a lot. And if you don't, you probably don't hear them very often, but I would say that they are still some of the most powerful phrases in our society, in human, in human history, redemption. And in this moment, Manway responds. 
And it's explained here that Manway has kept an ear to what's been going on through the creatures that are closest to him, the great eagles. And this is that other echo, the great eagles. And he knows what's happening over there through that connection. And in that moment, as Fingen has bending back his bow out of the sky comes Thorondor, the king of the eagles. The same race of eagles that come to help Gandalf in moments of need. They're very proud. They want very little with the conflicts between men and elves and orcs. But in this moment, Thorondor comes down. He's described as the mightiest of all birds that have ever been. He's the original king of the eagles. And get this. His Outstretched wings spanned 30 fathoms, and staying Fingen's hand, he took him up and bore him to the face of the rock where Madras hung. But Fingen could not release the hellrot bond upon his wrist, nor sever it, nor draw it from the stone. Hellrot. It's the first time this use, that word, that phrase is used. And again, in this moment, when they realize that he can't actually free him from the binding, Madras again asks for death. He begs that he would slay him. But Fingen can't do it. And so Fingen cuts off his hand above the wrist in order to free his friend. And Thorondor takes them back to Mithram. And from this moment on, Madros is nursed back to health. He survives the cutting off of his hand. And he's known as being one-handed from this point forward. And Fingen saves his friend's life with a little bit of mercy from Manway and help from Thorondor, the King of the Eagles. Thanks for listening to the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. If you'd like to learn more about other fantasy worlds, check out my other podcasts, the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, the Witcher Lorecast, and more at robotsradio.net. If you'd like to reach out, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a note on Twitter at robots underscore radio or join our amazing community on the Robots Radio Discord. There are links in the show notes or just search Robots Radio Discord or find the link on robotsradio.net. I'll see you next time. Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.